Welcome to Oil & Whiskey, an Ironclad Original. I am Josh Henning. I'm Phil Gerber. I'm Jeremy Gerber. Welcome to Oil & Whiskey, an Ironclad Original. This is part two of our best of season two conversations. Stick around to hear highlights from our time with Jesse James. I don't know who he is, but stick around. You'll find out more about him. It's El Jefe, man. Stick around to hear highlights from our time with Jesse James, Cletus McFarlane, and many more. This season kicked off our good friend, TV personality and card enthusiast, Courtney Hansen, the only person that's come on in studio and drank us under the mm. table via tequila. She's hosted and co-hosted shows including Overhauling, Rides, Biggest Spenders, Million Dollar Motors, Power Block, Power Nation, Velocities, Channels, Vincetta Garage, and... The new one, the ride that got away. Coming back for season two, Courtney Hansen. I think Courtney Hansen also kicked off the biggest hangover in the history it was of a oil and rough next day. Yeah, that's a fucking good time, man. It Courtney's was. a blast. Yeah, it was, it was like really a, a four-hour podcast, wasn't it? Yeah, it made us I have to uh, start practicing after that on the drinking thing. She's obviously a pro. We are not. Oh, Tell us about, uh, we've been all over the place. Tell us about Linda Vaughn. How did you first meet Linda Vaughn? I met Linda Vaughn when I was a little girl. She's like family to me. Really? So she was you know, always at the races and um, she's friends with my dad. Um, my dad's her older because my dad was married to um, a woman before my mom. So, um, so my dad and Linda are the same age and my dad's still living, doing great. And uh, just sent me a picture. I was like, oh, he looks so good. But um, my, my dad was just like, oh, my God, Linda Vaughn is the most gorgeous woman ever. And um, I just remember as a little girl just being enamored with her and thinking it was so cool that a woman was um, loving cars and motorsports. And I, I looked at her as... Um, you know, I could tell then, like, she's special. Like, she's she's a pioneer in in paving the way for women in motorsports and in her own unique way. Is anybody working? Is she working on a book? She There's, has a book. Is there? She has a book, and it's it's awesome. She has a coffee table book, so it's pictures and stories, and it's really good. I want her to do, like, the podcast. The podcast. <laughs> so I have, Dude, I have the dirt, and I can't. I have. Man. She has Absolutely. stories for days, you guys, and you would just die to hear these stories. And I know them. I know all her stories. I'm like, what? That's the type of book that I'm talking about. That's, that needs to be. I mean, maybe she'll write it soon, but oh, if she wrote that book, I mean, yeah. it includes a lot of the people that you yes. know, the most famous people yes. that we know exactly. and have talked about, and. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, sh I'm sure many people have asked her to do it, but she's. Yeah, that's, that's gotta be, that would be an amazing careful. read. We got to meet her at, uh, and, you know, I keep talking about this Mr. Gasket Suburban. We unveiled it and they had that cool, like private party through Mr. Gasket at some casino or something, right? Yeah. Outside of Vegas. Yes. Yeah, so like Linda, Linda Vaughn was there and Phil and I got to like fulfill one of our father's like fantasies, I guess you could say. <laughs> he's, he's no longer with us, but you know, he was 60. Aww or something at the time yeah. and there's Linda Vaughn oh. you know, and there's my dad and at that particular SEMA my mom was also there <laughs> <laughs> yeah and she, yeah, she wasn't like super stoked because there was like you know he was yeah. kind of like giddy about yeah, it yeah. You know? it's like a happy. childhood I mean she's a thing it was I mean. a bombshell yeah. yeah and she's still so beautiful she is one of the funniest people I've ever met she's hysterical really oh she's hysterical and nonstop. She's always talking and she's always funny. She's so witty. 
she makes me laugh as hard as anyone's ever made me laugh. And she's not a comedian, but she could have been a comedian. And um, and her stories just, it, it, I'm constantly laughing. Like if I'm ever in a bad mood, just call Linda <laughs> and she'll have me laughing. We do appearances together and we used to do them a lot for Chevrolet and we would do them throughout the U.S. and Canada. And it was cool because she had an older generation. I had the younger generation and there was crossover. And um, I mean, we, we got some solid lines going on, like at, at Autorama, Detroit. Um, we had to cut the line. It was like wrapped and wrapped. And, but we but part of it is that we want to talk to everybody. We lo- both love to talk to everybody. It's not just like, here, let me sign this. And like, we want to hear hear about people's stories. Hey, what Courtney, people- <laughs> I got you some tequila. <laughs> Take well, a sip. Uh, never mind that. <laughs> Take a sip. I welcome that all to no, the... No, drink it. No, <laughs> drink it. Drink it right now. Drink it right now. Nothing weird. Oh, man. But, uh, she, yeah, like but we have a blast. She's she's awesome and she's an icon and and uh, she came to my wedding. She came to our wedding in That's Italy awesome. and I was so happy that she came because she wasn't feeling a hundred percent and it was hot in July in Italy. But she came and she gave a speech that was she wasn't there. There was no planned speech for her, but she wasn't really like loving the toast that people were giving. People were drunk and rambling and like weren't getting to the point and they were going on for too long. And so Linda just grabs the mic and gives a speech that was one of the best speeches. I've ever heard and she just got to the point she made everybody laugh and after that everyone's like who the heck it was that because a lot of people in my life don't know who Linda Vaughn is right. um, only a handful of people there knew who she was so they were like wow that woman is dynamic she's amazing I want to know her and yeah she's incredible it's interesting you say that bringing that up like you said people in your most people in your life don't know who Linda Vaughn is so you've got you got two sides you've got personal life and you've got your professional life yeah um, that, that one like kind of rang a bell as good yeah are so go yeah go we we talk about that all the time we talk about our wives you know you got to meet this couple and you know this husband he's super into cars and I'm like <laughs> oh, probably not you know um that's it's very it's difficult I mean, every, we're all into different things. Obviously, it's not just all cars or nothing. It's just um, mostly cars. But yeah. it's mostly it's mostly cars, and that's whiskey. Yeah, yeah whiskey, a little bit. Well, boats, guns, knives. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. knives, I mean, so yeah, don't you, I'm sure you've had to do that on whether it's you know your daughter's soccer parties or you know your husband's parties, and there's people in your the whole time you're kind of like, yeah, the, these people have no idea like what I do or yeah, any. I mean, yeah. It's, it's different. It's different. It's like, it's a whole nother world. And then you step out of it and it's like, oh my gosh, they, they have no idea. They have right. no idea. And, and just like the preconceived notions that people have and the ideas that it's all glamour and they don't understand how, how hard you have to work or like the fact that you have to pay your dues over all these years. And yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's funny too how the, some people, they have so uh, vastly different uh, ideas of what it is like what you're doing for a profession and then the the level of success you know completely opposite you know it's oh so you're still you're still playing with, with the cars and stuff like that yeah. and then the others is kind of like oh man so it's like kind of like like dave kindig and chip foose on the tv show yeah i say we're always just compared yeah. to like a certain yeah. tv yeah, it's show like, yeah just like the easiest thing is say just like that right yeah, everything you've seen exactly <laughs> like exactly that. like that yeah Oh man, that's cool. If you were met, you even look like him. <laughs> Fuck you. I mean, it's yeah, it's a fu- <laughs> Richard Rollins. You get any of that? There's a little no. Uh, Woo! I, 
he's, he's such a good friend of mine that like no i think you guys look totally different what, okay. why because they have, be- they have like similar beards uh, like, there's no. there's to get some pictures they're dead on pictures richard's a good looking dude he's for good looking 60 dude. for 65 years old he's 65 no he's older than me He's not sitting away. I know. I'm just <laughs> fucking with him. I'm fucking with Richard. I was going to say, his wife is older than him. This is what I love. She's older than him, wealthier than him. Is, his and wife's made, like a she's fucking a bombshell. Oh, yeah, she's a yeah. total bombshell. Right. But you hot. know. And she's so nice. That I love her. It flipped, the, it flipped the script for him completely opposite of what he's ever. Yeah, I'll take the trash out. I said, "Fucking take the trash out now! It's Sunday. You know it's trash day." Trash monkey, damn it, Richard. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think he, he finally met his match yeah, with Katarina for sure. Yeah. But she's awesome. She's a sweetheart. But yeah, like a lot of the people that I hang with day to day don't don't understand what I do or any of it, or they or they think they do, but they don't. So you guys experience that too? Yeah, we yeah, constantly. It's difficult. Like it, even in family, right? Like family members don't even get it, and yeah. So I had, uh, you know, my wife's grandpa. He is a dickhead. He's no longer with us. Um, bless his soul. God bless his soul. Right? To speak ill of the dead. Yes. <laughs> so this guy, he used to say all the time. He like basically say like, "When are you going to get a real job?" Yeah. And he was very concerned. He would he, and he would express that concern. And I'm not going to be able to take care of his daughter doing the shit that I'm doing, mm-hmm. you know? And every time it'd be like, every conversation was so basically, so when are you going out of business and when are you going to get a job? Uh, I've dealt with, terrible. I've dealt with yeah. the exact same thing. My, I'm from but, a, from a very Bible. My, my dad's a preacher. His dad was a preacher. His brother's a preacher. I mean, it's, it's very, that was the path, you know, mm-hmm. go to Bible college, become a preacher. Um, so that this, this whole world is, <laughs> is it's, it's a, it might as well have two heads and it's always been that way. It'll be that way when I go back for Thanksgiving. It'll, so are you still, you're still playing with the cars and stuff? And I'm looking at it. Oh, yeah, it's oh, never yeah, really it's looked at it as Haven't like you an, been without a fucking job for six months? <laughs> yeah. You haven't done shit, oh, you know? And it's, it's so insulting. It's, yeah. It's yeah. so insulting yeah. and frustrating. Did you ever think about being a preacher? Oh, I went to, I went to one year of Bible college. And then, uh, Oh, they said don't come back. (laughs) (laughs) In May, our good buddy Jesse James returned. He is the creator of West Coast Choppers and the starred in television shows, including Monster Garage and Jesse James is a Dead Man. He also recently launched his own network, just recently, like right now, recently. Right now, right now. Outlaw TV. In this clip, Jesse talks to the guys about what he thinks sets a good car TV show apart from the rest. That was a fun time. That was, man. Jesse's always a good time. He, I'm looking forward to seeing some of that. You know, it's, it's just hitting now, right? Yeah. Check it out. I think the second one was actually better than the first one. You got to see him build a gun. Yeah, that's always Shoot cool. Shoot a gun. Thought we talk were about shot his, at in the Talk video. about yeah. his Santa <laughs> Fe. Really cool. Jesse showed his soft side with the Santa Fe talk. Was that a soft side or was that a hard side? I think it's soft. I bet yeah. you you talk about Jesse showing his soft side with the Santa Cruz. He's going to show you his hard side. I guarantee it. <laughs> I think like for years I've been trying to convince these network people that like of ideas and things I want to do. And just, I just, I don't, I don't know. I think maybe it's that pattern of like pitching stuff to a network and then they buy it and they bankroll and all that stuff. We'll take all that out of the equation, make my own format and 
pitch the stuff myself in my own mind and then put it on and watch it because I haven't had television wise. I haven't had a lot of misses. Yeah. You know, I've been lucky to do some shows that are some pretty big hits and pretty big viewership and all that stuff just out of my own head. And I think that's another reason why I'm pushing to do this is like to, I think to prove it to myself that I am, this is something that I'm skilled at also. Like I'm also like, I can make a gun or a bike or I can make a gas tank or I can forge stuff and all that stuff. But I also can put together and build a TV show and build something that's interesting to people watching and kind of tricks people, teaches them stuff without even them knowing they're learning something. Oh, absolutely. You know, you know I think that like people that excel in what you do, like the stuff we do, I hate to say we've got like a, a superpower to sound like arrogant or cocky, but generally I feel like when you have that creative skill set, you can do a lot of things better than a lot of people, you know? Looking, like looking at it from a creative standpoint. Yeah, like the TV stuff's a prime example. Like the, that skill set slash chip on your shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> right, and it fuels you a little bit. But there's some pretty good TV show stuff out there in the automotive world. But we've been, like, offered, I mean, I don't fucking probably two dozen TV shows over the years. Never seeked it out to just that we've wanted to do it. Every single time. What's well, the same same story. Like they're reading from the same script. Yeah. How many cars yeah, can you so build? How quick can you do it? It's all a pattern and all of it's terrible. Yeah. You know, I basically cut this whole groove that didn't exist. And then I've been like staying in the same groove for 24 years. And it's finally like, okay, quarter century's coming up. Am I going to still stay in the groove or am I going to do my own thing? You know, cut a new groove again and do something where it's like, you know, I have the freedom, you know, have the budget and the freedom to do what I want to do. What's the most pissed off you've ever been at a production, either on set or in a meeting or something? Oh, dude, I hate even talking about this dude. One of the producers of Monster Garage, a guy named Tom McMahon, he just killed himself like two weeks ago. Oh, damn. On, on St. Patrick's Day. But me and that guy used to go round and round and fight. And really, really good guy. I love the dude, but... I think I just crashed in NASCAR. I, uh, I had, you know, I just had surgery, shattered my ankle and broke my tibia and like, but I'm still at monster garage working and building something that week because production schedule. <laughs> and he like, there was this kid named, uh, Tyler that lived around the corner from monster garage. And he used to ride, he was like only seven years old and he used to ride his bike over there. And, uh, he had he had leukemia he had cancer and so kind of all the guys at the shop and everybody we'd go by and see him and see his mom and you know just a sweet kid and so i wanted to put him on an episode I, the the jet boat that we flipped upside down i wanted him to build i wanted him to he was going to come down on that build and like come on you can go for a ride i'll put two seats in it and so the whole build all week was working on a second seat for him and McMahon was trying to pull me out of the studio. I was on crutches. I couldn't walk, but I'm still there trying to hammer some metal and make stuff happen. And, uh, McMahon, uh, just being a dick about it. Just like, come on, we need to go down the street and film this. I'm like, dude, I just, please. I'm just, I didn't tell him anything that was going on. Nothing with the kid. Well, the kid passed away that week. 
And so he couldn't make it to the thing. So I really made it a point. Like I really wanted to finish this and finish it with a seat for him. And I tried every possible way to explain to McMahon, like, Hey, like, you know, I just, just let, please just let me finish it. I'll explain it in the end. And he was just being a dick about it. And like, I could, he wouldn't get close enough to me so I could hit him, but I was, but I was on crutches a little extra I remember, reach, like, I remember taking a water bottle and just squirting water at him. <laughs> like, Because <laughs> I tried to grab him a bunch of times and I couldn't get him and I couldn't get up. You know, I was like stationary just sitting there. And I, I think that was one of the most pissed times I was. But Piss you off more dealing with like some of the network guys or when you're doing something like Monster Garage, dealing with some of the like huge egos pains in the asses you had to had to have some interesting characters on there yeah i think it's i think this last round of monster garage we did was a little bit different i think people are more savvy to tv and like you know i think people came before a monster garage and there's probably people that like wanted to fight me or stuff like that but they didn't really there wasn't a firm understanding of how uh, television work, the reality TV was, so they're kind of wide and they come in and they see me and I'm like, oh, I guess I'm not going to fight him because he's probably bigger than I thought. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> you know, like, but this last one, man, there was some people that were, just didn't do anything on the build. It's one thing if you're mouthy and, but if you're mouthy and lazy, then it just doesn't. Tell us about Paul Sr.'s show. What's that going to be like? We had a we had a great uh, time with him when he was on here and respect the hell out of him. Well, you know, he didn't get on TV until he was 50. So, and I think everybody's had their fill of seeing him yell at his kid. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think we can, if you want to Google that or find it, you really need to see that. You can see it. Yeah. <laughs> and I just think him and I have spent... Uh, our wives are really good friends and him and I've spent some time here at the compound and it, it just like, I really, he's a neat dude and he's had a pretty, pretty interesting life, you know, 50 years before TV and like as a, you know, he had a whole iron working business and, and, you know, in the, in Manhattan, in the city and doing all these, you know, Hasidics had all these apartment buildings that they took over and then, all the Hasidic families would live in there and uh, they were having a real problem with like kids falling out the windows. Cause you know, big 25 story building and there's no ironwork, no, no grates on the windows and they'd open the windows in the summer cause it's hot as hell. And then kids would fall out and die. And I just was like, I need pictures, you know, let me see, you know, I just, I could, I just know really interesting story about him and i think he's like such an iconic dude and you know part of americana now that i just think you know kind of he's it's later in life and like i just think it's and again stuff that i'm kind of interested in you know i want to know more and i want to do stuff where his life is now and kind of you know i kind of I thought he was going to be upset at the name Senior Living, but oh, the name is kinda, phenomenal. <laughs> kinda, which I think is great. Like, 
<laughs> like, but he kind of just glazed right over and he's cool. And, you know, also too, like these discovery likes to like double dip. I think I found the problem here. The, uh, you know, discovery, like with Richard Rollins, you know, that guy begged to be on TV forever with discovery and they, uh, to the point where they make him sign that Jesse clause in the con everybody that's on discovery, there's a discovery makes them sign a Jesse clause in their contract. And that's where they get like any uptick in business with merch sales or, uh, which this bird's building a nest in here. You want to see it? Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is, they have this big old studio light that's set up as a strobe. It's inside there in the right now in the bottom building the nest. What are you doing? <laughs> you see him in yeah, there? You see him around there. He's moving in. He's yeah, going to come yeah. out hot. He's going to be shitting all over everything in your <laughs> shop. Dude. It's cute now. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. What, what was I talking about? You're oh, talking about the Jesse, Jesse the Jesse Claus with Senior. So after I came in and kind of took all the, made all the money and everything, Discovery makes all their talent sign this contract that they get 3% or so of your uptick in business. So you do a TV show. And then plus they own the brand, like, Discovery and Collegian Pilgrim owns like part of Gas Monkey and all that stuff. And it's just crazy to sign that type of stuff away. You know, and I don't, I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to make good shows and good content. So I want guys like Will and Senior and Billy, I want them to make money. You know, I want this thing to be like a, a profitable thing for them where they can go back to selling t-shirts and stuff like that, you know, you know? And so like all the brands like senior living and all that stuff, you know, senior alone, all that stuff. It's senior by himself. I feel like is a huge hit because when you see him in orange County choppers, you know, all the crap with you know, Paul jr. And all the other stuff, it kind of like gives you a warped view of who he is. But after talking to him, that dude is no. that dude's badass. Yeah, he's a badass. And so we're bringing back also too. We're going to bring back biker, like the called Chopper Kings, which is like a biker build off type of motorcycle competition show. And so Senior Billy and I will be the judges of it, and that'll have a live TV component like the competition. And I think it's kind of like good to give some of these younger builders kind of a. a you know, let them go at it. Let them build, you know, build stuff and us be the judge of it. Hey, who was that kid that came by the shop? Colt Wrangler. You, Jesse, you ever come across that kid? Colt Wrangler? No. He works for Revival now, I think. Oh, he does? Yeah. But he had a, dude, first of all, the baddest name, first and last name, hey, Colt Wrangler. He's a fucking cowboy, right? He rides rodeo? Yeah. Allen for Revival. Yeah, he works for Revival now. You know that dude only has one eye. I didn't know that. Yeah, every time I see him, I make him take his eye out. <laughs> He's like, I don't want him. Shut up. Yeah, check Just out Colt Wrangler on Instagram. Young kid, he came by here, headed to uh, one of the Milwaukee shows and, and brought his uh, bike by me. Fucking badass. Yeah, he's doing... It's cool to see, like you said, younger guys like that that just are craftsmen that need, yeah. need that, you know... You need the, 
the stage or the platform yeah. to, to get out to there show to develop off. the customer and yeah. legitimize the business. But yeah, it's cool that you're giving those guys that opportunity. Yeah, I think so. You I gonna, think it's interesting too. People want to watch that too. You know, you can give an opportunity to Richard Rawlings. He could use a new show. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Man, didn't go anywhere with that one. I thought, thought I was going to get that thing hanging. You're throwing a long You should give him a job at the shop, make your frames. <laughs> so just keep selling them to him. He can, we'll build him. He can. Yeah, yeah so he's the expert fab guy. <laughs> Over the summer, Chris Jacobs returned to oil and whiskey. He's a TV host and car enthusiast known for shows like Overhauling and The Long Lost Family. He's a huge Cubs fan. He hosts Meekum Auctions, Seem Alive, Dream Collections. And let's just face it. Good looking dude. Good looking dude. And <laughs> at the end of the day, a, a, a better better guy than us. Yeah. I hope to be remembered like Chris Jacobs. You won't. Great think, looking, yeah, good personality. It's something to hope for. I wish I could fly an airplane. But that's oh, also so your not dreams point. are going to come up short. <laughs> let's Chris, face it. Chris is a solid dude, man. Awesome yeah. career. Entertaining guy. Super fun to to just hang with, man. Chris, good, good shit. Yeah, he was really good. Uh, I don't know what skeletons are in his closet, but there's got to be some crazy ones. You won't know, I think. Because he's such a nice guy. Nobody's yeah. that nice without having something that they're into. He puts those in the basement closet. That, that You are not going to uncover those. Under skeleton key. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting in that. What's the most pissed off you've ever seen Chip Foose? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to laugh. We were at SEMA one time, and... Uh, where it was the night before the show, so it must have been uh, it must have been uh, Monday night, and we're walking around, and you know everything's set, like all the all the teamsters have left, and you know there's still some stragglers setting up too, but for the most part things are are set up. And uh, Chip had a we were looking at all the different cars that Chip had in the various booths, and um, the the um, cleanup crew was in there like vacuuming the carpets, like doing one last vacuum, but it's not the car people. Uh, setup crew it's like literally the convention center staff coming in and this woman was vacuuming and she was hitting the the wheels with her vacuum and uh chip went and i don't think it was chip's car i think it might have been a different car in the display that his car was in but he went and pulled the cord out of the wall and um you know that he didn't say anything to the person uh, that was hitting the wheels with the vacuum, but he just kind of pulled the cord out of the wall and then he like, you know, gave him a look. And I was like, whoa, that's the most pissed off I've ever seen. <laughs> <Chip Foose." laughs> he he probably didn't get to see him at the uh, Detroit Autorama when a oh. former Roadster shop employee was helping detail his car. You're going to tell that story? We might as well, because that could be the most pissed off that Chip Foose has ever had. I, I was not it there, but I heard the story. It took a while for me to, like, Get the courage to introduce myself to Chip Foose. Outside chance that he's not on the podcast yet. No, not outside. That's it probably the be. exact so, chance. Uh, we, exactly. we go to, to, to the Autorama one year, and uh, this is you know kind of its heyday. Yeah, it's like in its heyday, right? Yeah. And uh, we had uh, an employee that worked at the Roadster shop who was uh, you know kind of doing some detail type former stuff. Former employee, former. So he offers up his services after hours to help chip hit chip had like a team of guys wiping down the underside of this car well i guess he went to implement one of his techniques for cleaning tires which involves taking lacquer thinner on a rag and wiping down tires well it works good if you don't like airbrush the tires specifically for the shell because lacquer thinner takes paint off right i think chip had a little bit of a 
shit fit yeah. over that one. <laughs> and then shortly after that, <laughs> where this is uh, Chip was not happy. No, he was not happy. But Clay Cook. And this is probably this is probably one of his cars that won the Riddler. Yeah, I think it's still won. Show. Yeah, it wasn't. It ended up, it was, it ended up winning. It wasn't it, sabotage. Yeah. We didn't if he was there, he won. Yeah, <laughs> but that was, it was uh, yeah. imposter, wasn't it? It I was imposter. Yeah. Yeah. It was imposter. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, that was the same year that the carbon Woody was there. That Clay Cook had just got done telling me about all the machine work. In oh. the front grill. Yeah. My shoulder's still not right. Same guy. He's For Denny, walking. right? Where yeah, he's walking around, walking around and decides he's going to step into the booth, you know, because we're in there talking to, to Clay and the, and the guys. Trips over the booth, and it's like oh, hands no. nothing went out. He just went straight for the grill. He was headed for the grill. You know, it's like 200-and-something-pound guy. And Phil uh, looked like... Uh, Cat-like dad reflexes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Phil comes flying like, like shoulder blocks and like out of the way of the grill. So that saved us probably $100,000. Nicely from, done. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, if that same guy somehow messed up that carbon carbon grill, man, he would not have made it out of Detroit alive. Hey, he single-handedly almost destroyed $5 million worth of cars at the show. Damn. This is the behind Damn. The, my this my, is the default, behind the my default setting for a show car is do not touch it. And do not offer to do anything to it. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, they got, they got, even if they ask, just be like, no, nah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I'll look. Right. I you, need, you need a glass of water, get you a bottle of water, something. Who's right. This? I don't need to participate yeah. in any meaningful way. Also, the reason we've never won the Shine Award, right? <laughs> yeah, I think we, <laughs> same guy. we, we talked about, we've talked that, about one. that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, how did we get? How did we even get here? Oh, you were asking shit. me what's the what's yeah, the most pissed off I've ever seen Chip mm. Moose. Yeah. All right. What's the most pissed off you've ever seen Courtney? Courtney. Courtney's not really a pissed off person. I mean, she's so happy all the time. Oh, all y'all can't I've be ever... fucking happy, good looking, and and talented. <laughs> it's Hollywood. Dude. It's so it's so, Hollywood. <laughs> that's bullshit. That's the way it goes. They, you know, they forgot to put the the mad uh, program in our in our robot brains. Um, I I don't think I've ever seen Courtney mad. I really I really don't. And she's just bubble city. Yeah, I got I gotta I gotta disappoint you on that one. Oh, well. what's the man that you ever seen, Bud? You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, now I mean, Bud is pissed he's, off. That's, that's, <laughs> he's the opposite. Yeah. He's the opposite. <laughs> Bud is armed at all times. By the way, he's always has a knife. So you know. It, yeah. Bud's probably got one of those like uh, Jack Hawk truck stop knives, like the like <laughs> a big long oh, fixed sure. blade no, that's no, like it's, tribal. It's, it's, there's like six of them in. Yeah, it was given to him either by special forces or some or seal friend seal of his. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's funny about Bud. Every time he greets me, and probably you guys too, if he if he knows you, his greet his standard greeting is, you know, a shake into a pull into an arm bar. Yeah, you know, just to kind of show his dominance uh, when he when he first says hello. Um, it's funny that during the first season of Overhauling, um, you know, we always we used we used to wrestle. Like Bud always wanted to like you know wrestle because he was very into the the mixed martial arts. So uh, I remember we were at uh, Robbie Gordon's shop one time, and um, I was dressed up for a prank as a police officer. So I had a, a an Oxford on and some nice pants. And Bud and I start wrestling, and I split my pants in the back. <laughs> and it was like literally like ten minutes before we had to leave for the prank, so we're like you know, safety pinning my pants together. Uh, that was pretty funny. But no, Bud, Bud, uh, Bud doesn't. He loves like controversy and problems and stuff. So he really doesn't get pissed off. 
he like prides himself on being able to resolve situations. Um, we were at uh, WyoTech in Wyoming one time, and there's a bar right by the uh, the school. We were we were doing an episode of the school. We were building the Speedbird, which is was this beautiful modified uh, '57 Bel Air um, that we did from a, a, a hardtop car into a, a convertible. But we went to this bar called the Buckhorn and a fight broke out and Bud just cannot stay out of the middle of the mix. I watched him. As soon as I saw the fight break up, there was two doors in the bar. He went out the one door because it was, it was a crowded bar and we were on one side and the fight was on the other side. Bud goes outside one door, cuts down the sidewalk and comes in the other door so he can be right in the middle of the fight. <laughs> it was man, hilarious. Man, if a bar fight breaks out in Laramie, Wyoming, in a bar, I don't, I don't know that I want to yeah. be a part of it. And if you're Bud, you're getting into it. He's, he's got, <laughs> you got the skills right to pull it there. off. Right in there. <laughs> man, I didn't know That's... that Bud was a trained martial artist. Better stop talking all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> What's Bud been up to? I haven't heard much from him. We seen Bud, him Bud's always Bud's always got stuff going on. Yeah, he's got uh, Battle of the Builders at uh, SEMA. Yep. He is uh, very big in the production of a lot of um, uh, Baja One Thousand, you know, score events. Yep. Um, That's got to be tough uh, for an all black suit too. <laughs> <laughs> it's, hot. it's hot out there. He, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's uh, always uh, always ready. He's a ninja. Um, it must be tough to pick out which black shirt and pants he's going to wear, you know, each morning. I think he's just uh, going to be the short, the short sleeve or the long sleeve. Yeah, they're laid out just Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. <laughs> exactly. He's like Richie Rich. You open his closet, he's just got a row of, you know, yeah. the same. Same thing he's gonna wear, uh, but yeah, no, Bud. Bud is uh, he's a character and uh, he, he's a gamer and a hustler, he's always got something going on. So, uh, fortunately, he, he throws me a job every once in a while. I, I hosted Launchpad last year at SEMA, but unfortunately, they're not doing it again this year. I'll tell you what, this What's is that? not this is not a shot to Bud, but so his wife, Adrian, whatever they did on the uh, now I can't even think the name of it that shows how, I, how much I've seen it, but the the car, what's the car insurance? Uh, infomercial in the mornings and stuff the uh oh yeah car yeah, yeah. shield car shield car shield yeah, car yeah. Shield. man that thing runs <clears throat> and maybe it's just when i get up in the mornings on saturday going to the gym or whatever it's it's adrian on there um for car <laughs> shield every single second <laughs> it's been on that like for years so yeah, kudos to them. A great one it just keeps running i'm, running, hoping, running. She's, I'm hoping she's getting paid every time it runs oh, well that's what i'm hoping too absolutely we learned a ton from our next guest, Weldon Lister. He's the owner of American Scroll Inc., an American clothing company whose graphic designs are taken from Weldon's badass second, third generation metal engraving and transformed into apparel. No disrespect to any other podcast guests. Best stories. Weldon yeah. was the shit. Yeah. Man, does he have some stories. Great stories. Just great outlook on how to do things. Um, yeah, awesome. Awesome podcast. Might have been one of my favorites. When I'm ready to retire i hope that weldon will take me under his wing and make me an apprentice i bet he would we've you seen so? your engraving skills so far they're not good no that's why you need to apprentice it's gonna be a long road yeah uh, if you're anybody's gonna learn it's gonna be somebody under weldon fucking great dick great guy i don't know when this is coming so feel free to take this out if it's not uh chronologically appropriate but the fucking coasters. Tell me uh, what you would. <laughs> <laughs> you can't yeah, you just ruined the coaster. <laughs> Tell me what you would give 
for a Weldon Lister scrolled brass oil and whiskey culture. A shit ton of U.S. currency. Good, good thing, because we're going to charge a shit ton of U.S. currency. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking badass. Badass, badass dude. Badass stories. Yeah. Badass episode. Check it out. You're you're learning from your dad. You said you said you worked in there 26 years. That's that's absolutely amazing um, to be able to work with him for that long, side by side, doing some crazy stuff. He, you talked about him teaching you. You started. You did. You know, very early on, you were doing a gun. When did you start making your name? When did you start making? When did your you? Look? When did you Hank Junior? Your Hank Senior? Yeah. When did you? Like, Hank when did you? <laughs> Well, that's a great, that's a great question. I'm not sure I've thought a whole lot about that, but I think, um, I would go back to, um, into the nineties, I guess. And with my dad, uh, watching what I was doing and I think he had a sense of maybe what I was capable of, but the, the commissions that I had coming in weren't, uh, supporting what my ultimate capabilities were. And so I had a family, I was working, um, two jobs. I, I had another job that we can discuss at some point if you want, but, uh, I had in my time off from that, I was engraving full time. So I had these dueling careers. I was a professional firefighter in San Antonio for, uh, 30 years. And oh, so, wow. yeah, I picked a job. This is the most interesting man in, in the world. <laughs> By far. So, so you drink had, Dos Equis? Uh, <laughs> Well, anyway, um, I, you know, my criteria was pretty simple. Um, I mean, we were expecting a child and I had been freelance engraving in, uh, in like they say, it's sometimes chicken and sometimes feathers. And so I thought, well, um, I don't know. I had this real feeling of responsibility, you know, going to be a dad and all. And I thought this is really not a good life, you know, to try to raise a kid and, and, uh, or have a family because, I don't know sometimes if I'm going to make any money and it seems that we're going to need a lot of it. And, uh, uh, you know, it would seem as though. And so I thought, okay, I need a job that's got a lot of time off because I really want to do this, but I need a job that's got a lot of time off, a lot of benefits, um, insurance and a retirement. And so what is that job? And so that eliminated almost all jobs. And what was left was being a firefighter and, my dad had some friends that were firefighters, so I kind of grew up knowing those guys. And so I thought, well, I'm going to see if I can do that. And eventually I did and uh, went to work for a small department for a couple of years and then segued into city of San Antonio where I stayed 27 years. And, uh, but the motivation for that was um, what I just said, you know, I needed a, a career that would do those things. And it allowed me the time off. I actually worked on duty a, a long time. Um, I had a little shop set up in the back of the fire station when I would go. <laughs> and uh, seriously, now you can't do this now. Right, uh, right, double, double tip. Don't try this at home. This is, you know, this is years ago. People, did that uh, Did that pair of Colts get engraved at a fire station? No, it did not. Right. Uh, <laughs> but then, so Then it wouldn't matter what. I'm finding them. And it, I'll, yeah. you know. So what would happen, uh, it, it eventually came out. You know, I set up this little shop in the back. And, you know, when we went on duty, I'd go, you know, get all my stuff out and, you know, what are we doing today? I would ask, you know, the Lieutenant, what are we doing? Ah, nothing. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go in gray. So we changed at noon 
at, I'd eat lunch and then go back to my little engraving shop and engrave for 24 hours. Sometimes, I mean, man, I'd work until one or two o'clock in the morning and uh, back when I could do that kind of thing and the word got out. And so every now and then I, the, you know, the PA would come on, Hey, uh, Lister come up to the front and I go up there and it was some battalion chief from somewhere. Hey, um, captain so-and-so over here is retiring and the boys want to do a knife for him and, you know, spend about 50 bucks. Um, when you're done, just let, you know, four Oh no, and he'll come pick it up. And so the, the you're chain paying of, your dues. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> chain of command is actually delivering my word for me, you know, <laughs> bring the money. Here's the thing. You know? yeah. We're going to let you, we're going to let you keep doing that, but here's some, st- some stuff you it. need to do. Yeah. Right. And so it worked out pretty well. Uh, probably wouldn't work now, but in, <laughs> day and time, but in, in that day and time it did. And, uh, um, man, I, I sidetracked so far. I don't know what the real question was, but, um, Oh, okay. I know what it was. It was, so when did I become me and, and not my dad? And so I'll throw this out there. Uh, some, some people ask me this and I always marvel at this question, but who's better, you or your dad? I'm like, well, first of all, I'm thinking, what kind of question is that? <laughs> Obviously me. <laughs> like, That's a really dude. bad question. <laughs> No, it is. And I always say, you know what? My dad was an amazing engraver. And if I could be as creative and awesome as my dad, I would feel like I was doing something. And that's, that's the truth. And that usually they go, Oh, okay. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to tell you, dude, I am so good that I'm way better. Please just shut up. Um, anyway, so dad saw what I was doing and he saw the potential. And he's like, man, he goes, you got to do some of these guns. He goes, I know you can do it. You know you can do it. But until you do one, the people who are going to pay you aren't going to know. So you need to do some of this kind of stuff. So he actually commissioned me to create some pieces that would push the envelope and push me outside of where I had been with just, you know, scroll work. So these are guns with animals on them and scenes and all kinds of you know, wild stuff. And what he wanted to do, he was, he was actually investing in me and he knew that I wouldn't be able to do that right now. But if the world never saw one, the world was never going to ask for one. And so I appreciate that so much about my dad. You know, we all need somebody who believes in us. You know, you got to believe in yourself, but it's awesome when somebody believes in you and sometimes they see things in you that you may not yet see. And they call it out and they say, you know, I know you're better. You can do better and you can be better. You just got to do it. And, and that's not a derogatory thing, but it's like, man, I see this and I know you can get there. And so my dad did that. And uh, so I, I did some pieces like that. And then, you know, the word got out and then I got to uh, be able to do more of those things and more of those things. And then at that point, I start getting to kind of do what I want to do and then create the things that I want to create. And so um, when you're working for uh, on a commission, when somebody comes to you uh, to build a car, you know, you've, I'm sure you've had all different kinds of clients and then you've probably really liked the ones who go, man, I got a budget. I kind of got an idea, but I'm looking to you guys to sort of do it. And those are great people to work for because they let you be creative and they let you do what you love to do. And they're usually stoked whenever they see the finished product. 
when you got somebody who's so technical and it's got to have this, it's got to have that, it's got to have in, or they've printed out a picture and they say, trace this. I want you to engrave this on my gun. That, yeah. No, thanks. No, that's a no. Yeah, that's yeah. a no. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I've had people show me photos of other engravers whom I know and uh, well, I want a gun like this. I'm like, well, that's done by so-and-so you need to go talk to him right. because I'm not going to create a gun like that. That's his deal. Right. Not mine. So go talk to him. We have this. We have well, this conversation on this podcast yeah. and and uh, you know in the shop all the time. It's funny you have people come, man. Oh, you know, love big fan of the Roadster shop. Love you guys work. Love this. Blah blah. I want a car like this. Yeah, and it'll but be here's like some pictures of a, a Ring, Ring Brothers, Brothers or whatever. <laughs> it's like, to, well, that's that's what they built. Yeah, stuff. call the Ring Brothers. Right. Dude. They they'll yeah, build you it's a your competition. Car, just like yeah, that. you. They want you to build one that your competition yeah. built. Whatever. Yeah, and it's like, no, no, that's can't a, do that. That's a great point, though. The the greatest things we've ever built, the things we are the most passionate about, were the customers that came in with just an idea for an old car. And well, what are you guys thinking? I make mean, what, what cool. would what would you like to do? Make it cool. Yeah, I had I had a guy um, that uh, there's two guys involved in this story. Uh, one of them I called the Gopher, and so the Gopher's job he worked for a, a very wealthy attorney, and so the Gopher's job was to find guns. He would go for guns, right? So he was the Gopher. He went all across the country Great finding. Job. Yeah, no <laughs> man, it's like dude. He rode a, his Harley to Sturgis one time and had the Dakota built. and shot it and then had him take it apart and send it to me for engraving uh, you know i would i would actually let you pour me one right now if i was (laughs) so the gopher uh would bring guns and say hey the guy's name was mike and he said mike wants this or mike wants that or blah 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 and the the projects kept getting more and more involved right so then he shows up one day with a couple of uh, Colts that were factory engraved. Mike doesn't like these, and he wants you to fix them. I said, so these are factory engraved. Um, it's like a faux pas to do that, blah, blah, blah. He said he knows that. He wants you to fix them. So me being a little slow, right? I'm not the sharpest tool in shit. I'm in the shed, you know? But uh, I said, I'm in the shed. But- <laughs> in the shed. So like – uh, but you know, to do that, you have to do blah, blah, blah. And I explained the process. Yes, but Mike doesn't like them. He wants you to fix them. I said, it's going to be very expensive. It would be less expensive just to take two plain guns. Mike doesn't like them. He wants you to fix them. I said, oh, I'm like the light bulb finally went on. I like there's some really bad wiring. And then ding, Mike wants me to fix those. He says, yes. I said, okay, got it. And so those were two very elaborate projects. One of them was a nine millimeter factory chambered single action. That's been done on about 50 guns that I know of. And so it's not a standard thing that you could get that I know of. And uh, the only commemorative it was on was called the European. And it had some really big European style engraving on it. And so I had to get rid of all that. And that involved a lot of process to do. When we got done with that, then he comes back with this gun and he says, it's a single action. And he says, okay, here's the deal. Uh, Mike wants you to make this so nice that you don't want to let go of it. I'm like, okay, so what's he thinking? He, It's your deal. You make it so nice that you don't want to let go of it. No budget was discussed. Okay. 
And so at this point, we were years into our relationship. I had never met the guy. I only knew the gopher. For all I knew, you know, the gopher was Mike. I mean, right. I didn't. And uh, That's a daunting task, though. Unlimited? Uh, you need yeah, some direction. So you got to have some right? borders. Yeah. Yeah, you need to yeah, cap so how many budgets. zeros. <laughs> At least give me a number of zeros. So it would be, like, be like me coming to you and go, okay, how much? Here's a check. Okay, get to work. Right. That's it. You know, you make it so nice. You don't want to let go of it. And so I struggled with that for a little bit because I thought, okay, I got to have a theme. And then between my wife and I, you know, I bounced stuff off of her and, you know, what was about this idea? What about that? And uh, I developed uh, or settled on Indians and Buffalo. And so I use scenes from uh, Western art, uh, Remington Russell, uh, Frank McCarty's a more modern painter, but I would take adaptations of, of their buffalo hunt scenes with Indians that I liked and sort of modify them to fit on what I was doing. And so there was one other artist named Henry, Henry Merwin Schrady that I also used. So four artists in, uh, uh, you know what they say? I mean, you know, good artists borrow, great artists steal. So I just stole their art. <laughs> <laughs> I was inspired by yes. the West of these guys and then adapted their scenes to fit on what I was doing. And so I did the single action that had multi-level uh, raised and relief gold uh, Indian and Buffalo scenes on it, uh, sculpted uh, engraving. Uh, I mean, it was like me going, man, this is everything I can do. At, at that point in time, it was like the pinnacle of what I was capable of. I mean, I did everything I knew how to do. And so I got to meet Mike. I delivered the gun in person. And everybody that saw that gun before that, their first thing out of their mouth was, wow. Is they, would, they would look at it and go, wow. And you, when you hear that, you think, okay, you know, I, I achieved something. So I, I invoked a reaction. People like what they're seeing. But they're not writing the check. Mike is, you know. So I got to see what Mike says. So Mike says, you know, I meet him. He's a really great guy. Uh, love the gun. Wow. And his his wife happened to be walking by. Hey, uh, honey, come here. I want you to meet Weldon. He just, he's been engraving guns for me, and he just did this piece. I would like you to look at it. She takes it, and she goes, wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had just told Mike, I said, man, everybody has said wow. And like it was scripted, she comes in, <gasps> wow. And so... The worst part of it was I didn't realize how literal he meant make it so nice that you don't want to let it go. And he had later on, I learned that he had done that with a number of uh, people that he had patronized with their art. One person said, I don't want to let that go. And he said, okay, keep it. And I did not realize that's how literal he was. Had I realized that, I would have said, dude, I don't want to let this go. I'll just keep it. Anyway, it went into his collection. Um, unfortunately, Mike passed away uh, a couple of years after that. And, uh, uh, but it is still in his, his wife sold a bunch of his stuff. She kept everything I did, and that gun is still in, in her possession. Wow. So incredible so that was uh that was a long answer to your question uh when did i get to become me and i had the opportunity to become me because my dad uh encouraging me to do that and then 
wanting to. I think in order to get good at anything, we have to try. And that drive comes from within us, right? You have to want it. And if you want to be good at what you do, you want to be great at what you do, you don't sit there wanting, you do. And you keep doing and you don't quit until uh, until you get better. And then you keep trying to get better. And I'm I still learn stuff and I'm not as good as I could be. I don't think I, I'm, if I ever get where I think I'm as good as I'm going to get, I ought to quit because why? I mean, look, every time you pick up that chisel, you have to make that chisel do what you want it to. And so when you look at my work, what you see is a recording in steel of how good I was that day. One of the most popular episodes we released all season was our interview with YouTube star Cletus McFarlane. He's an automotive enthusiast known for his channel that you can find at Cletus M. He's famous for car modifications, racing adventures, and hosting the Cletus and Cars events. I mean, everybody knows who Cletus McFarlane is. I'm jealous of Cletus, man. That, that's he he figured it out, dude. He's got the life. Buy a racetrack and race Crown Vicks. That's yeah. It's the biggest 13 year old's treehouse you're ever gonna have. <laughs> Good dude. But the podcast was so cool. much room for activity. Podcast yeah. was super cool listening to him. I mean, that doesn't come easy. You know, mm -hmm. it from the outside looking in, that looks super rad. Dude's fucking obviously worked his ass off. A little smarter yeah. than I thought he was gonna be. To be honest with you. It, yeah, that's. Yes, yeah, it was super awesome compliment and shot at the same time. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I never like coming from the master yeah, of the backhand right. compliment here. Yeah, that one's definitely backhanded. But no, and not at no, all. didn't didn't mean it to come. It just came off just that way. Maybe it came off that way. Yeah, Sorry. Clay is cool, dude. That was yeah. a good time. Check it out. What what cars are still on your list that you want to build? Personal super cars. Bird. Yeah, Superbird is my. My biggest, that, that's like when I build my like five second street car, it's going to be a super bird. Hmm. What so motor? That's a lot of car. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know on the engine, probably a, some sort of billet street motor, you know, it's going to have what, to be a built big block. Better, better be a fucking Hemi. Cause we just posted a video out there. That's a Mopar. That's not a Hemi and people get pissed. Mopar yeah. guys, dude, <laughs> fuck. Oh yeah, I know they'll probably kill me. Yeah, so uh, that's a good point. It'll be a Hemi. Yeah, four twenty. <laughs> yeah, fucking four twenty six with a seven fifty double pumper on it. Goddamn right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I just love those cars. Have you? There's a guy with like a, a gray one, you know, yeah. drag car with like the sick wing. Like, dude, they yeah, just seen it. ah love those. Yeah, it's cars, a cool man. car. I, Is that so a? I got a. Is that a so, childhood thing? Because I feel like that car. I had the diecast car. And as a kid, yeah, you're like, man, like dude, that. you are attracted to that Daytona and the Superbird. Big old yeah. wings. Yeah, no, they're so cool. And, like, I would love, like, a carbon fiber body one. I actually, what I really want to do is have someone build me a chassis and uh, just make the body funny car for the street. Uh, so well, Let us just, know when that project comes around. That'd be cool. Well, you know, it's, I'll definitely let you guys know, but I'm talking, like, Oh, yeah, long, yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool, cool. The street version. But I'm like, I want to have like a little button that like raises the funny car lid. So like when I pull up to get gas on drag week, I can just like <laughs> erase week. I can just like, it's like that would be I cool. just jump out. Uh, have you done drag week in the Elko? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've done like freaking 10 of them in the Elko. Uh, not drag week specifically, but Rocky Mountain Race Week, Sick Week, like Midwest Drag Week, all those ones I've done. 
uh, like several times. Elko sounds like a cool car. It sounds yeah, like a cool Elko, car. Elko's but... won them several times. Dude, to be honest, the, the coolest thing I've seen that I've seen you behind the wheel of is that little jet boat. How was that oh, experience, yeah. man? Because that's the that's probably the only thing I've ever seen on video that you really get the like I'm sitting in the passenger seat kind of feel. Oh, are you talking about the sprint boats, like the ones in the little canal? Yeah, dude, that was oh, the, like the yeah. raddest video. Yeah, those things are. Uh, it's like um, imagine if you were going down the road at eighty miles an hour, and you and your your driveway was on the right, and it's a skinny driveway. <laughs> And you can just maintain 80 miles an hour and make a right angle turn into your driveway. Like that's, wow. that's what those boats can do. They, I mean, they're just, they have knives in the water. It's like having an unlimited traction. Unless you come out of the water, then you will crash. Like I hit the catch fence this weekend, fucked up my boat. <laughs> yeah. It looked like there is, there's a, a threshold there to the traction. There is basically no threshold to the traction in, in the water. water. But like okay. I hit my own wake coming back through the center of the course yeah. while turning. And sometimes Skips she just you. stays hooked up. Sometimes she goes a little crazy and it hopped out and I corrected. And then once I got up on land, you know, you're just along for the ride. It's like the thing accelerates when it gets onto the grass and you just, you're in a straight line arrow for whatever you're aimed at. And I just happened to hit one of the poles on the catch fence. So Damn. Now you have a, like, you have another jet boat as well, right? You got a flat bottom jet boat. Yeah, yeah, and then we have we built these uh, river jet boats. They're called you know mini jet boats as you yep. call them, and like we just take those things up like crazy Idaho rapids and just beat them off boulders, jump in logs, whatever alligators, you name it. Like those things are indestructible. And we got a so, bunch of guys in the shop messing with those. There's like three yeah. or four of them. Oh, That's mini jet boats? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice, dude. Tell them to hit me up. Yeah. I'll show them. <laughs> That's like my favorite thing to do is, is, well, outside of like flying stuff, jet boats are so enjoyable. They're like indestructible little missiles. And going up rapids is by far, it's got to be my top two things in life. It's like really? going up a rapid just feels so cool. Like you're just like, what? the boats like getting the crab beat out of it this water's rushing by like you've never seen you're on plane and your ground speed is zero right so like you're looking at the shore and the shore is not moving but the boat's on plane the water's going so fast wow when you get up in those rapids it's the most beautiful sights you've ever seen your adrenaline's ripping the boat's working like it's it is such a amazing sport uh like real like rapid river jet boating is crazy awesome i gotta try that but you really like to do it you have to build your own boat no one will let you take their boat up the rapids so it's just or buy one so much abuse on those things i'd imagine yeah i mean mine are like totaled like (laughs) i wouldn't even sell mine because they're so clapped out so Um, you mentioned rc's uh at the beginning rc plane so i'd assume that's where the uh helicopter infatuations come from just like you know full size yeah. now Where yeah do- i've been flying i've been flying like rc planes since i was super young they're <laughs> they're littering my whole house then you said screw it i'm gonna take you know pilot license and, and start flying a helicopter 
Yeah, so I've got my um, I've got my helicopter license, I've got my airplane license, I've got my seaplane license. Like I just uh, once I was able to afford that sport and uh, get into it a little more, I started taking lessons on on all of them, so that I could just be a part of that community because the aviation community is really cool. So um, I bought a little plane and you know been just experiment and trying to do it as safe as possible like i got my licenses a long time ago several years before i posted it on youtube because i didn't want to like die trying to film a cool youtube video <laughs> you know like you you know how car guys are like yeah we like build a car and the first thing we do is like rip it as hard as we can and like it's not like with airplanes like if you get your license and do that like you'll probably die so <laughs> figured like maybe i'll maybe i'll wait a while and then rip it so now i'm doing sporty stuff on youtube with 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 that stuff but you know i i just try and do it safely so that's badass dude how old of a guy are you I, i'm 28 i 28. think dude you ever like you ever pinch yourself and be like i'm fucking kicking ass in a short amount of time is it ever dude, like I, dawn I, on I always, you i always uh I've been talking about it a lot lately. My friends are like telling me to shut up, but I'm always like, guys, you don't understand how lucky we are. Like, I'm like, we got to all stop for one second and look around because we are so lucky. And like, my wife tells me to stop saying it too. I'm like, but there's a lot worse things that we could be doing. And then it goes a lot further than that. Like the fact that we even... I mean, the list is so long. You guys know this stuff, but yeah. like the list, the list is so long about how lucky you're we at are. the fucking I mean, top we, of the list though. <laughs> I don't know how we made it there, but I am extremely grateful for it. But like, man, like we, we get a fly on a commercial airplane. There's probably, I, I would say it's less than half the population in the world gets to fly on a commercial airplane. Like, I don't, I don't know what the, uh, what it all breaks down to, but it's crazy. The fact that we live in the United States is, is a huge, you yeah. know, lucky thing for us. And then to live in our own home is a big deal. A lot of people who have to live with several families in one home, you know, and it's like the list of, uh, of how lucky we are to, to do what we do is just crazy long. And I try to appreciate it every day, especially since I've had my son, that's like, I can't get it off my mind how blessed we are to just be able to have a kid and, and enjoy his presence. And when he's, even when he has a poop explosion and his diapers <laughs> had a full blown blowout and I'm like sitting there and my, you know, where my wife and I are down on it and I'm like, I do anything to hear this kid cry. Yeah. Like, yeah, it sucks, but it could be worse. At least, at least it could be worse. So. That's badass. Get me man. going on that, man. That's that's yeah. something I love talking about. Well, you got to save some, dude. He's twenty eight years old. You've got a lot a lot of life to do some things, and it seems like you're knocking shit off the list like at a rapid pace. I hope it's a big <laughs> yeah, list. Told me to save some. I've had some old guys come up to me and say, save some for later, and I'm like, dude, I can't. <laughs> like, I gotta get up. <laughs> like, I'm going to. I don't know. I don't know what's next, man. But I'm not. I'm not stopping to. Uh, for anything but hanging out with my family, you know, like if I'm not hanging out with my family, like I'm taking, I'm taking my friends to go do something cool. A few weeks back, Jeremiah Burbank came on oil and whiskey. 
He's the owner of high-end knife retailer PVK Vegas. Lots of famous celebrity clientele. And badass knives. Badass knives. His Instagram. Cool Hatchets, sucks. throwing stars, all kinds of shit. We need more Johnny Depp. He gave us just a little teased it glimpse into Johnny I'm, Depp. I'm guessing based on the conversation that he's signed There's an NDA. multiple NDAs from those guys. Yeah. I think you're right. Hey, after all this coke we just did, you're going to sign an NDA, right? <laughs> Here's a clip. Celebrities, which was a huge fun. Like the amount of of celebrities that came in and really just enjoyed the experience of shopping, you know, sort of that helped because that brings so much excitement to your every day. You know, you're, you're dealing with the public all the time and then you're there at these weird hours. And then all of a sudden, you know, the storefront is empty and there's bodyguards out there and you're like, wait, oh, damn. And in walks Steven on. Seagal to buy some throwing <laughs> knives, right? He's tell like, me, tell me you passing by. You know? Yeah. He's looking for Richie. In there. <laughs> yeah. Tell me you had Seagal in there. Oh, man, I wish. No, Chuck, I, I, did, I, did not, I did not. The name drop, name drop some c- celebrities that came Chuck in. Norris. Uh, I would Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. So um, a, a good friend of the shop who was uh, one of our very first celebrities in was Post Malone. Um, I think he'd be okay with me saying that. He's famously came by the shop. Still a very good customer um, till this day. He's into he some was, cool he was our, shit. Yeah, Dude, he, Post is, he's in it, man. Yeah, no he, joke. He just looks like a guy you want to hang out I with. I know. I don't really listen to his music, but he, yeah. he just seems yeah. like a genuinely cool dude. He's just having fucking fun. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to derail. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's, no, he, dude, he's so legit. So he actually, him and his crew showed up like five minutes after we opened. Uh, me and my other guy are there like drinking coffee, you know, working off kind of a long night, actually. And we look out in the showroom and yeah, just sort of like giant body, you know. You, you know, yeah. bodyguard type dudes. And you're like, those are bodyguards. And he runs back there and he's like, Post Malone's in the showroom. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, okay, I'm, I'm reasonably recovered for this. Like, okay. And he just came in and a friend of mine had let me know about a month ahead of time. He was like, hey, you know, so-and-so is his tour manager. He might come by. I get that a lot. You know, like that's like as good as the check is in the mail. So I'm not, you know, I, out of my mind. Right. He came in and he was just, the chillest dude I have ever met. Super polite, just very cordial, you know, very yes, sir. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's chill. Um, and he came back and, you know, because it's Vegas, I'll sort of lay this out. So the showroom is where all the knives are. The way we set it up, we built a wall. So when you're looking down the showroom, you just see a wall and then there's a register and there's a wall. So there's, you know, oh, that's the showroom. To the other side of the wall, about five feet, there's a corridor, and then we have a whole VIP room. And that's where the so drugs the store, are. That's where, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> possibly. I don't, you know. So, you, so what's in the VIP room? <laughs> right, good question. So the VIP room is where the super spicy stuff is. That's where the ultimate of spice happens. So Damn. that's where the really, we curated, we had these massive glass showcases, which we littered with uh, custom knives, and we also had uh, liquor of various kinds, flavors, and styles um, mixed in there. We actually had, um, well, anyway, all kinds of bourbon, uh, vodka, not that much, uh, some cognac for sure. Um, but anyway, not, all, kinds of, all kinds of stuff. Nothing no, from the Petro you know, and Racine. If I had known about it, if y'all would hit me <laughs> we'll up, send you, we'll send you there. what's left. It'll, It'll be all of it. Yeah. <laughs> Three-quarter that full up. bottle. 
you know, but like uh, Eames lounge chairs, right? Like yeah. sort of famously mm -hmm. iconic chairs. And then uh, we had this giant glass table, which is actually right over here. Um, and we had sort of four tables around this giant glass table. And that's kind of where the business got done. Uh, you know, you can pour drinks. Uh, we couldn't really smoke back there. Um, but, you know, pour drinks, go over deals, hang out with friends and be in a more private environment for, you know, higher end sales. You know, a guy comes into the showroom looking for a Marfio and custom, knows what he wants, asks, no problem. Another guy, yeah, I'd like to take a look at three or four things, maybe five things. He's wearing a Rolex. He talks the right talk. Sir, why don't you come with me into the back room? I don't, there's just a wall. Sir, just come with me. And then, you know, you have this whole world back there. Puts people at ease. It's, it's a little more private and you can just hang out. And it's very no pressure, right? Touch the knives, hang out, you know, it's fine. So post guys all came back to the VIP. We have this like, uh, like a giant beer cooler. It's sort of one of those like uh, neon blue things. Um, so post guys come back and they're like, bro. And I'm like, yeah, like, no, have at it, man. So I don't, I'm like, I don't know what's in there after last night, but like whatever's in there, just feel free to drink it. So his guys just start cracking beers and they've been up all night long. Like literally he's like, oh no, we've been walking around all night. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know what that's like. He's like, no, no, no. We've been walking around all of Las Vegas since midnight. And I'm like, that's nine hours. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Like we're having a great time. So they all pass out. Literally his bodyguards pass out on the ground, which I was totally fine. Don't care. And then the other half of them hang out, talking knives, drinking beers, like really great time. Super nice That's dude. Cool. Knew exactly what he wanted, was happy to take a look at some new stuff. I showed him some interesting things that I liked. He was into it. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was a great interaction. And like I said, because of that, he's still a customer to this day. So the showroom was a really great intro for a lot of people and a lot of, you know, other celebrities to be, come familiar with the brand, come familiar with me, my brother. It was definitely, it was a, righteous so thing. what does a guy like post malone buy and carry what does he carry um so then he came in specifically at the time he was looking for a marfion custom continental set okay um i don't know if anyone's familiar with that but it's basically a pelican case and it's a marfion custom combat trudon and it's a custom ultra tech and it was for the john wick movie which yeah. at the time i think oh, we were shit. on john wick 2 I think it was two or one oh, i'm slipping now it had a continental uh, coin didn't it have a coin yes so it had a gold coin or had three gold coins because i think he ended up getting the premiere set there's two silvers and a gold and there's three gold coins he got the obviously the nicest one um and he was really excited that was his impetus for coming into the showroom is he was like y'all got that continental set and i'm like for you i do have one in the back yes sir i do mm. uh, i know he he's very much into microtech still um though recently he's been ordering uh, a great deal of custom stuff which is awesome his tastes are expanding as anybody in the sort of any any hobby you do you sort of start somewhere you have your your gateway drug yep. and you get really excited and you sort of you know then you gotta find that anyway. find that vein and then you're tapping that's it, it. that's where it goes Get that racine and then you're just <laughs> and then you relapse and then you come back and you're like oh my god that was that was bad or most yeah, i don't of think there's the, any coming back to this it's that's horrible it's really bad shit and my chest is on fire right now. when those celebrities not to stay on this but i, I mean generally interested in it uh yeah, yeah the most of the time where the celebrities kind of already enthusiasts and they're looking for something and they're into it, or do you have that guy that is johnny depp stumbling in and he's like I've never had a switchblade. I'd like one. You know, he like, probably wants it. I see him carrying like a fencing sword, some sort of weird pirate thing. Because <laughs> he, he just played a pirate. He's not really a pirate. He's got that look. 
Uh, like even yeah. outside the movie. But well, I mean, are, so are they stumbling that's, that's in? That's a good and, question. Yeah. So when Johnny Depp came in, he actually had a couple things in mind. Um, Solid flicks. Gotcha there. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he came in, he came in a little late at night and um, he actually had a couple things. I think he had sort of scrolled through um, our Instagram briefly or, you know, perhaps one of his handlers that I, I, you know, I don't know specifically, but he came in and he was like, I have this idea of this thing I want that I saw that you guys have, you know, can you show it to me? And, um, his visit was a little more, it was sped up, you know, busy guy, totally get it. He wasn't, he was very friendly, happy to hang out for a minute, but he kind of came in and was like, I'm looking for the switchblade. It's about this big. He pushed the button, it shoots out the front, comes back in. It's got like um, some abalone in it. And yeah, like I, I need it for a gift. It's like, okay, I got you. Um, some guys ran in the back, uh, opened the safes, pulled some knives out, put them on a table. He looked at them. He grabbed one, fired it, eh, grabbed another one, fired it. Okay. I love it. Uh, quick pictures, handed it to um, my other guy. It was like, okay, good to see everybody. Got to go by. And he left out the back door. In that case, quick visit, but he knew exactly what he wanted. Top secret. Nobody's watching, right? Yeah. Liberties actually all love knives. Knives are like everyone's secret thing. And I, really? I think it's a lit. Yeah. All the, all the celebrities we've ever dealt with, they all are secret. I don't know. I'm not blowing anybody's cover on that one. They all secretly love knives. And again, that's part of this stigma, which I'm sure everyone's kind of familiar with. It's like a gun thing. Everybody on the outside looks at this stuff and they're like, oh my God, like street weapon. Not really. It's actually right. like a finely made good that a lot of people collect, appreciate, yep. and you can use to open Amazon boxes. It's not like right. the thing that you see at the corner store. It's very diametrically not that. Thanks for listening all year long time for jokes has come to an end we have to thank all of our fans all of our listeners there's three dudes in canada that are super passionate yeah, i think there's three in australia and one in canada right there's two in canada i know for sure okay. three in australia two in canada uh and then that dude, new dude in india uh been fucking awesome no jokes it's been a fucking great year are great. you guys looking forward to 2024? Dude, great season, a lot of great guests, but I, I'm stoked for 2024. Been having a shit ton of fun with this. You never know what the stories are going to be, and you meet some incredible people, hear some incredible stories. Can't wait to just pack 2024 with some killer guests. Yeah. Everybody asks us how long you're going to keep doing this. Right now, the answer is until we until stop. The, until the whiskey runs out or until it ain't fun anymore. There's or, plenty of fucking or, whiskey, and it's still fun. Or until the listeners drop into the low teens. I think that'd at that a, point it'd be an increase. It's what careful, if, careful. Yeah. Yeah, it's, let's not go there, right? We're okay. We're not too then, far then, off from the low then teens. Then it might just now. be like, eh, maybe I should just fade into black. Sit outside and just say it. Just, just do it in the parking lot. Oil and whiskey. Here's a little known fact: Oil and whiskey with the Roacher Shop is an ironclad original. If you like. If you like the show, just keep listening. Honestly, I'm kind of tired of the whole leave a rating yeah. interview. I don't You're even care if you do. Saying it. Just keep listening. I I have to read it because it's written down. Keep listening and tell your buddy. To, the, tell your buddy to listen. Yeah, right. I've listened to a lot of podcasts. I've had a handful of buddies that are like, "Hey, dude, you should check out this podcast," and I listen to it and I like it, and then I start listening to it. So do that's how it thing. happens. Just listen. That's tell a buddy who do. tells a buddy. Yeah. Right. I would rather see negative comments than positive comments. 
I'd like to see a lot more negative comments about you <laughs> on there. <laughs> we'll see you soon for the kickoff of season three. We've got some bangers scheduled.